one of our students uh, years ago on one of our retreats came up with a term that uh, people who've come to our group for years have heard me use, the triple arrow, something that uh, often happens to us on, uh, uh, I was going to say on retreat, but just often happens to us in meditation, uh, where uh, we experience difficulty in the meditation. Typically in the meditation, it's either the hindrance of dullness or the the hindrance of uh, the restless mind, the overactive mind. Uh, this is part of the process of meditation. You're going to come up against obstacles. So we, we, we experience these challenges and then we go, and that's kind of the first arrow, and then we add another arrow, which is we don't like it. Uh, so we add on aversion to the fact that we're sleepy, uh, aversion to the fact that the mind is very active, and then uh, Oftentimes, uh, we add on a third arrow, which is doubt. It's like, I can't do this. This practice doesn't work. So I always like that, uh, that term to describe sort of this syndrome. Uh, doubt is a very, very important mental quality for us to pay attention to. Uh, the Buddha was really clear about this, that we had to really watch out for doubt. Oftentimes, uh, uh, in the stories, uh, the lore of the Buddha, uh, doubt uh, is, takes the form of Mara. You know, Mara would come to the Buddha and say, yeah, who do you think you are trying to awaken? Or, you know, wasn't it better when you were back, you know, when you had, you know, your princely kingdom? Wouldn't you rather go back to that? This, this life isn't so good. You know, why are you doing this? And of course, the Buddha always saw Mara for what Mara was. He saw doubt for what doubt was. So in paying attention to doubt and observing doubt and being on the lookout for doubt, it, 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 it takes certain forms, right? So, you know, and of course those, it, it's going to manifest as, as thinking, right? You know, the form that often comes up for us is, is doubt in our own ability to follow the path, right? So we have to see that in the mind in terms of our thinking. I can't do this. I can't develop the meditation. I'm never going to get to a certain point. I can't develop these skills. I've been listening to this guy for 20 years, but I can't do it. You know, he's talking about this. I can't do it. I see all these other people. You know, they all can do it, but I can't do it. Uh, whatever it is, you know, I always used to say, you know, it's like if you grew up in my neighborhood, you know, you wouldn't be able to do this stuff. You know, I'm just, I'm a guy from Long Island. I can't practice meditation. Who am I kidding? I mean, I kind of kid around about that, but that's often what would come up in my mind. You know, it's like, you know, you know, if you grew up where I did, you know, you wouldn't, you know, the idea of being a meditator, who are you kidding? You can't do this. Uh, so uh, when we talk about doubt, uh, it's doubt in our own ability, usually uh, is sort of the way that it manifests first. Uh, what usually kind of follows on that is doubt in the path. I always kind of, the way that it always manifested in my own mind was I would have doubt in myself and then, you know, and I would just berate myself and I can't do it and that became too painful so then I would blame the path. You know, oh, this teaching doesn't work, you know, let me try something else, you know, 
Theravada practice doesn't work, let me try some other kind of practice, whatever. Uh, the Buddha didn't know what he was talking about, you know, this is, you know, whatever. So, you know, there tends to be doubt in ourselves, which often is followed by doubt in the path. Uh, and a part of that is just doubt in the idea of awakening. You know, we see that, uh, you know, we doubt that awakening is possible, doubt that it's possible for a human being, doubt that it's possible for us to achieve true happiness in this life that's so fraught with all of its difficulties and challenges. So, the Buddha, uh, you know, he, he, re he really laid out a path of skills that enabled us to uh, be able to work with these different qualities or afflictions in the mind. Uh, and, and, he, and he told us how to work with them. And what he tells us is that the antidote to doubt is wisdom. And it's, 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 it's a little simpler than what it sounds. Uh, I mean, the first part of this wisdom is just seeing doubt. You know, the first part of wisdom is seeing that you're suffering. The first part of wisdom is to see what's happening, to, to be aware, to wake up, to see what's happening. So uh, the first thing that we're asked to do in bringing wisdom to doubt is to see that we're engaging in this thinking that's imbued with doubt. It's often hard to see, though, and this is why wisdom is, is the antidote to it, because it's the kind of thing, once you see it, it loses a lot of its power. And really, a lot of times, all you need to do with doubt, with that thinking, is to see it, and you can see it for what it is. But doubt's power is to present itself in a way that you don't realize that it's doubt. You know? Because it's a state that's rooted in delusion. So its power is to delude you into thinking it's something other than what it is. It's something other than what it is. So it's like it's got you know, a costume on. You know, once you see... You know, it's like the emperor with no clothes. Once you take off its costume, you see, oh, that's, that's doubt. But we don't see it as doubt. Uh, we may think it's real or the, it's, it's the truth uh, or that this is, you know, what I'm thinking is uh, some deep truth about who I am or about what this path is. Uh, so, uh, you know, the thing about doubt is it manifests primarily as thinking uh, and it's very sticky thinking, right? It's like it's very sticky thinking. One of my teachers used to use that term a lot, you know, thoughts that are very sticky. Uh, so, you know, it's like, you know, you know what that's like when you hold on to, I can't do this. I mean, it's just like you get so stuck in that. Uh, and when you're caught in, in thinking like that, you're blinded, right? That's, that's one of the, the characteristics of being lost in thought is that you're lost. You're in a blinded state. So, so the, the, the real challenge with that in terms of bringing wisdom to it is to have enough space where you can t take a step back and say, you know, I'm just engaging in this thinking and this is doubt. This is doubt. Uh, so to see it and see it as doubt. Uh, you know, and I, I've seen this so many times. I mean, I've seen this in my own practice, but also as a teacher. And a lot of you have kind of probably witnessed this in different classes that you've come to over the years where, uh, you know, I'll be working with a student and the student will be saying this and this and this and this. And, you know, and I'll say, well, that sounds like doubt. You know, and they, and they go, oh, yeah, that's doubt. 
Yeah, and once I say that, it's kind of like they say, oh yeah, it's doubt. But when we're in it, we don't see it that way. So it's one of, it's really speaks to one of the, the benefits of, of working with a teacher, because sometimes it's hard for us to see what's going on in our own minds when we're so caught up in, what in our, what's in our own minds. And I've seen that for myself, you know, where, you know, my teacher has said to me, well, that seems like doubt or that seems like that. And it's like, oh, yeah. But when we're in it, it's hard for us to see it. So sometimes we need somebody else to to identify it for us and then we can see it. Doubt will be there. You know, doubt will be there. Uh, so we have to learn to see it. Uh, doubt isn't... Uh, abandoned until, you know, the first level of awakening, stream entry. Uh, so, you know, that's a mark of stream entry, is that doubt is, is, is largely abandoned, although if not maybe completely abandoned, it's largely abandoned at stream entry. So, uh, which means that, you know, we'll continue to be afflicted with doubt as we go on, on through the years in our practice. You know, there's been times when I thought, ah, I don't have any more doubt, you know. Uh, I have complete conviction in the path, and that, if you have that thought, that is a real good indication that you, that you have doubt, because that's a deluded thought, because, you, you know, doubt is in the mind, so that's a very, you have to really, for me, that's a very dangerous place for me to go, I don't have doubt, you know, that's when I know, you know, it's sort of like, I don't have any more anger, you know, it's like, if I say that, it's like, I know that I'm not seeing things that are there. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I expect for there to be doubt in the mind. And, you know, and I'm looking for that, you know, and I'm, and I'm seeing it when it arises as fabrication. So, so we learn to see when there's doubt. And, you know, what we're seeing is thinking. So uh, we're seeing doubt as thinking as what we call fabrication or sankara. And we label it. That's doubt. That's doubt. Uh, and you know, and, 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 and we see we see the drawbacks in it. Or or we question it. Is this useful? Is the doubt useful? Because that's really the question with the thinking. It's not is it true or not? Is is it useful? Is it useful for me to be thinking this way? I can think however I want to think. Thinking is impermanent and is utterly malleable. I can think however I want to think. Is are these useful thoughts for me to be having? Are they are these thoughts serving me? So, you know, this is something we talk a lot about. You know, questioning our thinking. You know, I mean, this is part of our mental training. An important part of our mental training is to see doubt for what it is, to question it, and to and to abandon it. You know, as we discern that it's not useful. So, you know, ultimately, when we see doubt as thinking, we're seeing it as being empty, as being empty. I mean, you know, the fancy word is that it's void of self, you know, it's just thoughts, you know, I mean, that's sort of the, the more prosaic way of, of explaining it to ourselves uh, as we're developing a clear perception, a skillful perception, perception of it. It's just thinking. It's just thinking. It's just a voice in the mind. You know, as, as Tanisa Rabiko would say, you know, just see it as a crazy person in the mind. You know, if a crazy person comes up to you and starts talking to you, do you listen to everything that it's saying? You say, oh no, that's a crazy person. This isn't meant as a judgment on crazy people, but, you know, it's like, 
a stranger walks up to you on the sidewalk and starts speaking to you, you don't have to believe everything that they're saying. I mean, that's the way that you relate to doubt. That's the way that Buddha, the Buddha was relating to it when he it presented to himself as Mara. Oh, I see you, Mara. You know, and Mara would say, ah, oh, the Buddha sees me. It's just Mara. Uh, so it's, it's thinking. It's just thinking in the mind. Uh, you know, so you know, when we begin to perceive things as empty, you know, we're able to ask the question, is this something that I have to hold on to? Is this something that I can just let go? Do I have to engage in this narrative? Uh, and, you know, those are questions that you don't necessarily need to answer. The heart can answer that for you. The heart understands that it's just thinking and it can be let go and it's not useful. So can I let go of this? Does it have to be held on to? Can I construct a more useful narrative? A narrative that's informed by conviction. Because, you know, the narratives in the mind are the narratives in the mind. The ways that we think are the ways that we think. And the mind thinks. So the mind is going to think something. The mind needs food. So if, the, if you've been feeding the mind with doubt and other unskillful mental qualities, and we want to abandon those qualities, we need to replace them with good food. This is a very basic principle. So we can't just let go of doubt uh, and expect there not to be some kind of thinking vis-a-vis -vis our practice. We need to replace unskillful thinking about ourselves and our ability to practice and the practice of ourself, those thoughts of doubt, with thoughts of conviction. So, you know, I talked at the beginning about, you know, the triple arrow and how you know, people often find this practice difficult, uh, you know, and, and, and the practice is a difficult practice. You know, it's a challenging practice and it's often a struggle. It's often a struggle. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for many years and it's often a struggle. It's often a struggle. Uh, you know, why is it difficult? Uh, in large part, we run into difficulty because of our past karma. Because in our lives, we've developed a way of thinking and a way of relating to our human experience of emotion and mind and body in an unskillful way. Grasping and holding on to forms of aversion and desire and the thinking that, uh, that uh, arises out of that grasping. So uh, practice is difficult because we're training the mind. It's the hardest thing that there is to do. And the mind is, is wildly untrained, you know, and has developed a lot of bad habits, you know. So, so we, we, we understand this. You know, this is part of the constructive and skillful narrative that, yeah, the practice is difficult because of my past karma because my mind is untrained and I've developed a lot of unskillful habits. So this is bringing wisdom to, to, to the why the practice is difficult. The practice is difficult not because you can't do it or because there's something wrong with you, it's just you've developed a lot of bad habits. This is your, your karma, you know? Uh, the heart understands this, you know, this is wisdom. So the heart understands this, this is right view, this is wisdom, the heart understands it and, and says, oh yeah, you know, these are just bad habits that I've developed in terms of the ways that I've thought, uh, in terms of, you know, the ways that I've related to my human experience. The heart responds with wisdom and with compassion. You know, so when practice is difficult, we relate with wisdom and compassion and not doubt. Uh, 
understanding that it's going to take some time. You know, we've developed a lifetime of ways of thinking and being and, and uh, are, you know, we've, we've cultivated these minds that are a certain way. Uh, uh, and, you know, it, 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 it's going to take some time. The heart also understands that we can change. You know, we can change. Uh, so, you know, we can change our karma. We can change our karma. Uh, so, you know, when, when we see that our habits of mind are the product of past karma, uh, and the way that we are is the product of our past karma, then we begin to understand that, you know, that's the way the mind is, but it can also be changed. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's one of the real interesting things when you really see suffering for what it is and when you see what your habits of mind are for what they are and not like, I can't do it, you start to see that, oh, change is possible. Uh, we can change our karma. So, you know, so this is, you know, I mean, this is what the Buddha tells us. I mean, this is all of the teachings of the Buddha. This is the beginning of right view, you know, that you have past karma, but you're not, uh, you're not, beholden to it and you don't have to live your whole life continuing to follow your past karma, you can change. You can change your karma. You can change. Uh, so this is right view. Uh, it's what the truth is. You know, right view is based on what the Buddha and others have understood by paying attention to their experience that you can change your karma and the heart understands that. The heart understands that. So conviction uh, is ultimately, you know, and, and most importantly, conviction in the law of karma. You know? Conviction in the law of karma, which is that uh, we can change our karma. We can change our karma through being skillful, through being skillful. So it's not something that we are able to change uh, just by listening to a talk or reading a book. That doesn't change our karma. That's the beginning of it. You know, coming to a talk and reading a book uh, can can maybe give us some inspiration. Hopefully, more importantly, you know, what a good teacher offers are skills uh, that you can apply that are very practical so that you can change your karma. And that's what the Buddha taught. Skillfulness. How to be skillful in the service of changing your karma so that you can move away from suffering and toward to a greater happiness in your life. So, uh, so you know, the, you know, the Buddha taught skills. I always say, uh, if we can be, we can be more skillful. We can develop skills. It's not a mystical process. We learn to develop these skills. We can change our karma, and in turn, we can know happiness in this life. So this is our practice. Uh, we learn how to be skillful. You know, and you know, it begins. And this is where people get really kind of screwed up a lot. You know, I mean, you know, different teachers over the years have talked about this, uh, uh, particularly more of the, you know, the monastic teachers. Uh, it begins, you know, our practice of learning to be more skillful and changing our karma uh, uh, and thereby you know, because, you know, to develop conviction, you know, it's only so much, you only can develop so much conviction if I tell you that you can change your karma or if the Buddha said it, but you have to see for yourself that you can do that, you know? And once you start to do that, 
you start to develop conviction. And it becomes very, very, very powerful because conviction is the thing that drives the whole practice. But in order to develop conviction, you have to learn to be skillful. Yeah. You know, so there's certain things that you need to do. I mean, this is the teaching of the Buddha. So, you know, so the practice is we learn to be more skillful and it doesn't begin with meditation. You know, meditation is a very, you know, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, advanced spiritual practice, if you will. I mean, you know, everybody can do it, but uh, if you really want to develop meditation, you know, you've got to start at the beginning, uh, you know, at least according to this path, which is, uh, you know, and again, there's, you know, it's not completely linear, but, you know, we really learn to be skillful and start to develop conviction, which will lead us to being able to deal with the really hard work of meditation, uh, you know, by practicing to be skillful in our lives, uh, learning how to act skillfully, you know, uh, which, you know, begins with practicing generosity, begins with practicing generosity. That's the easiest way to begin to develop conviction in the path. You know, you practice skillful giving and the heart starts to sing. And you say, holy shit, you know, I've been feeling bad. And now, um, excuse me, uh, you know, uh, I've been struggling, you know, but now I just practice generosity and, I, and the heart is singing. Oh, look at that. I've just changed my karma by, by helping somebody or a simple act of generosity. You know, that's the path of the Buddha. That's the path of the Buddha. Uh, so we, 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 we begin to develop conviction in the path uh, by, by, by learning to act skillfully and seeing the joy and the happiness that comes from doing that. And we see, I can change. I can change. So, you know, the easiest way to begin to develop conviction and to enact change and to develop and, 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 and through skillfulness is practice generosity and then, of course, to follow the precepts. You know, and these things aren't easy, but, you know, this is what we're asked to do in terms of developing conviction, in, you know, in, in, in the path. Uh, so we learn to... Uh, practice generosity and virtue and take skillful action. Take skillful action. Uh, so we put our effort into developing our goodness. You know, we see that we can, this is something that we can do. You know, so, uh, you know, you know, I mean, for me, it's this sort of evolving process over time of, of, of truly understanding uh, you know, the extraordinary blessing of, uh, you know, our goodness and, and developing it and, and being more and more a person of integrity. I mean, it's a process. Uh, so in the practice, you know, we learn a very basic set of skills for developing skillful intention and skillful action so that our actions, our deeds, our speech, and our thinking becomes skillful, becomes more skillful. Uh, and, you know, we learn to be able to set skillful intention. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into that in detail. This is something that we talk a lot about, to be heedful, to set skillful intention. We learn to do this in the meditation, right? 
you know, for years I meditated, you know, with a chip on my shoulder and, you know, with a bad attitude. And through changing my intention, I learned to meditate with a more open heart and my meditation got a lot stronger, you know. And then I learned to be able to do that in my life, the same thing, through the cultivation of skillful intention and skillful action. You know, so, you know, this is, you know, as we, as many of us know, what the Buddha taught his son Rahula, when Rahula was seven years old. You know, pay attention to your actions, your deeds, your speech, and your thinking, and, and, and cultivate skillful action, action informed by loving kindness and compassion. So, uh, so we learn to do that. You know, this is something that we can do, uh, and you know, it's 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 eminently eminently doable and very powerful. You know, I mean, how many times has somebody said, you know, come to me and said, over the years, you know, I'm having difficulty in my relationship with my child or my partner or my parent. You know, and and we talk to them about, okay, you know, before you're about to speak with your parent or your child or your partner, you know, see what's in the mind, see if there's an unskillful intention, set a skillful intention and speak and act. Ah, that can't work, that can't really change anything. And then they come back and it's like, that just completely changed my relationship with this person. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, the stories are, are legion. For, for many of you have known me for many years, how I completely changed my relationship with my mother. If I can change my relationship with my mother, you can change your relationship with anybody. I promise. You know, that's the gold standard. You know, so, so, you know, so, and and you know, and that was such a powerful experience for me because it was like, wow, you know. I, I didn't, you know, I went to therapy for years, and you know, this isn't a knock on therapy, trying to work out my relationship with my mother, you know, and then I, the Buddhist, and I read the instructions to Rahula, and I learned to set an intention, and I changed my relationship with my mother, you know, changed my whole life, changed my whole life. I mean, I, I won't go into it chapter and verse, but you know, the, our relationship with our parents is, 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 is so important, you know, so important. So, uh, so, you know, we can shape our actions. We can shape our actions. And once we learn to do that, once we learn to do that, uh, we begin to develop and, 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 and we develop conviction. You know, this is how we develop conviction. You know, I can shape my actions. So we always talk about, and I'll put this in the notes, you know, the, the old five-step process, you know, that I really, my first book, The Skill of Living. There you go. Uh, uh, was really about the five steps. See what's in your mind before you act. Set a skillful intention while you're act, acting. See if you're staying to that intention. See the benefits in skillful action and take joy. Take joy. Recognize the blessing of, 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 of the path and your ability to follow it. So really, when we talk about skillfulness, uh, you know, you know how it is with a Dharma talk, you know, it's like you talk for half an hour and it really comes down to one thing, right? Uh, it's about what you put into each minute, each moment, right? And we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, you know, it's about what you're doing now, you know? I mean, really being skillful and shaping your experience is about what you're putting into each moment and each moment is important. So I talk about things like, 
you know, my, my relationship with my mother, which is a big thing, but it's really what you're doing in any moment, and it's what you're putting into the moment. That's how you change your karma, you know? You change your karma in the moment by what you are bringing to the moment, by what you're bringing to the moment. You change your karma in the moment by being skillful in the moment. Yeah. So it's, it's always a practice of what you're doing in the present. Right? So even, you know, and I always use this kind of example right now as you're listening, you know, you can shape your experience of listening by just, you know, resetting your intention. You know, maybe after a half hour, it's like, when is he going to end? You know, it's like, you know, let me just be here with compassion. So it's what you bring to each moment is how you change your karma. So that's in the meditation. You start off with a good intention. You lose that good intention. What are you bringing to that moment? Can you bring loving kindness and compassion to that moment when you're in the meditation? As you're going through life, the actions you're taking, your speech, your thinking, what are you bringing to each moment? What are you putting into each moment? How are you affecting each moment? So I think, you know, these days, you know, and I always try to uh, coordinate what I'm going to talk around, around uh, what we're going through, you know, in our lives and through this time of, of difficulty and challenge, you know, it's, it's, it's in this time that's so difficult uh, for many of us, for all of us, uh, you know, just like in that meditation where, you know, people struggle. You know, meditation is just this little microcosm, and this is a particularly difficult time for us. It's very easy to go into doubt, right? It's very easy to go into doubt in ourselves, in the path, in, you know, the possibility for awakening or true happiness in this world. You know, you turn on the TV, you talk to people, everybody, you know, what you're going to hear is about how bad things are and, you know, how everybody's so messed up. And, uh, and about, you know, about the fallen world. Uh, so it's very, very easy to go into, into doubt uh, for us. And it always is. And I think, you know, in particular these days, it's very easy. You know, I see this in my own mind, you know, uh, you know to go into doubt. So again, our practice is to see when you go into doubt, to see that thinking. Our practice is to pay attention to what you put into each moment, you know, in the service of developing skillfulness and conviction in your capacity to know happiness. So our practice is to bring skillfulness to the moment, you know, in the skill, in the simple actions. You know, sometimes it's just, can I just be here, you know, in this moment with compassion? Can I just be in my flat? you know, in, in, in Germany or wherever you are, uh, in this moment with loving kindness. You know, can I bring compassion into the speaking? Can I, you know, what am I doing in terms of my thinking? You know, can I change this thinking in this moment? You know, don't think in terms of big things, right? Think in terms of what am I bringing to this moment? Can I bring wisdom to each moment? Can I bring wisdom to the moment? You know, sometimes what that means is something really simple as, you know, is there happiness in this moment? Is there a possibility for happiness in this moment? Is happiness here in this moment? 
as we develop in skillfulness, as you develop in skillfulness, conviction develops. Conviction in ourselves, our capacity to shape our lives and know happiness, conviction in the path, you know? If I follow these instructions, and it's always about if you follow the instructions, we'll know happiness. You know, we have conviction in awakening, in, in the possibility of happiness in this life, because it's right here in every moment if we pay attention to it and see it. You know, we have conviction that you know, if we look and we see and we bring a certain kind of attention and wisdom to the moment that there is happiness. There is peace, there is love, there is compassion. It's right here, right now, in this moment. 